You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. We'll go ahead and start. Um, This is week one of a four-part series, uh, Law, Grace, and the Family, and I get to have the privilege of kicking this off, and next week, Carolyn Lankford's going to follow up and she's going to talk about um, grace especially for parents um, and then Drew and Rita what are y'all doing um, we're doing relating the to your kids through the gospel. and then relating to your kids through the gospel that's week three and then week four Cameron's going to come in and somehow tie a big bow on it and so everybody can look forward to that I know um, uh, before we pray just sort of talk about this law and grace um, could almost say law and gospel we might talk about why um, we can or why we can't, how grace is different from the gospel and what that looks like and what grace is. And it's, if all goes well, at least in my notes, um, as I've been thinking about it this week, those things are the, these are the, the categories, the themes that are in our mind. Um, I hope for many in the room this will be heavy on the repetition side, um, but I was thinking about that this week, uh, that now for more than half my life, I've been thinking about the Bible through this particular lens of grace, the law, and the gospel. The law and the gospel being the two words of God written in the scriptures. And I say that more than half my life because it still never gets old. I mean, even this week, even this week, listen to that hubris and that pride. Um, you know, I had sort of connection points that I never made before. And so I think, although in some ways it presents relatively easily, uh, there's also an art to it, um, uh, an imp- a, uh, uh, a depth to it that can never be fully plumbed or realized. So, um, so for some, I hope it'll be heavily repetitive, and for others, this may be somewhat of a new way of thinking uh, for you. A way of thinking what? A way of thinking about the Bible. Um, when we talk about, and this, it was several years before I made this connection point. We kind of talk about. Law and gospel, or the gospel, especially around here, we talk about the gospel a lot. What's the gospel? And it's like, oh, that's law, that's law, that's law. That after a while, we can repeat that to each other for so so often that it, it sort of brings me up short every so often. It's like, oh yeah, we talk about that because those are the words of God that He's given us in the literal. I mean that literally, haha. Uh, the literal words in the pages of the Scripture, um, from Genesis to Revelation, um, that the Scripture is organized according to these ideas, these categories, these uh, these realities of law and gospel. They do something, as the word is living and active. Um, they don't leave us as they find us. They interpret us more than we interpret them. And the law hits our ear, and it does something. And it's very different when the gospel hits on our ear. And it does something. And so we're going to think about that for the next four weeks and how that relates in a particular way to parenting. And so we might, and I haven't forgotten, we haven't prayed, um, we might then begin to think about the vertical conduit, which always is downward, God speaking to us um, and the effect of his word on us. And then the horizontal way, especially as parents, parent to child, um, parent to parent, as we could support one another, encourage one another, uphold one another, um, uh, uh, what what the law and the gospel might mean for us in that way. So that's a little bit of where we're headed. Um, law and grace, law and the gospel, um, as it pertains particularly to the family. Um, so that's kind of where we are. Let me pray. Gracious Father, take this um, word uh, about your word 
uh, humbly offered, feebly offered, Lord, and, uh, and by your power uphold it and strengthen it. And let it be helpful in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we dive into this, I thought um, it might be helpful to take a half step backwards and think about what we're talking about. When we think about law and gospel, as I mentioned a minute ago, not to lose sight that we're talking about God's speaking. We have a God who speaks. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself already. So as we think about that, um, let's think about what is Christianity. Big world religion, you're one of the big five, um, one of the big three, uh, the religions of the book. Um, uh, what is Christianity? Christianity, actually, if you had to boil it down, I think we can come up with two very short phrases. Christianity is, pregnant pause, God is love and God loves you. That's Christianity in a nutshell. God is love and God loves you. There's not a whole lot to that um, until we start to... Uh, pick this apart a little bit because God left unhinged becomes a little bit difficult to put our heads around and we just talk about God is love and then that God loves you especially God unhinged uh, free where he's just sort of this this word this nebulous concept that's kind of out there you know God and God is love and then so no surprise what's the song that's been bouncing around in my head this morning I want to know what love is, you know, so <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's a true story, so it just keeps going back and forth and back and forth, and that's Foreigner in case you were born after 1988. Um, uh, there you go. Now, everybody's going to have that on their mind, um, uh, but he's crooning, and he's right, you know, I want to know what love is. We do, we wake up, and at some place, um, and I'll say where those locations are typically, we want to know what love is, because if God is love, I want to know what that means, um, and especially if it's true, and I don't just sort of take it as uh, as gospel, pun intended, um, uh, just because somebody like me or Andrew or somebody else says so, um, what does it mean? If I want to know what love is, and that is true, I want to know what love is, and that God is love, and God loves you, let's break this down. So, when we think about God, there's two ways we can think about God, both actually, when we think about God and we think about you. Two big questions in life, who is God and who am I? Um, because we're thinking about Christianity, God is love and God loves you, we have to think then about, well then, who are these people that are involved in this equation, God and you? And both of them can be thought of in reference to Christ or outside of Christ. And that's the key part. And that's where it gets missed so quickly as we think about grace, law, and the family. So when we think about God absent of Christ, um, and this happens all the time, um, what, uh, who is God? Who is God? Who is this impersonal force? Uh, uh, as Jacob met God, we didn't know that at the time, crossing the Jabbok River, for instance, in Genesis 32. Remember that when Jacob sends everybody across the creek, across the river, um, and he's left there, and it's very dramatic. It's a great, it's one of my favorite Old Testament stories. Um, and he's left there all alone. It's very specific. And then this dark figure, this impersonal it, comes and he wrestles, and it's not until daybreak that he realizes it's God himself with whom he is wrestling. Who is this impersonal it that God is wrestling? Or this God, like in Job, for instance, um, uh, this uh, 
uh, from Job's perspective, just this impersonal power, almost like the arbitrary sort of Clash of the Titans, Zeus playing around, just sort of flicking with fingernails, and tsunamis occur, and all that sort of thing. Who is God? We separate the question, who is God, from Jesus Christ. Um, we come up with all sorts of things. Um, I assume most of us, if not all in this room, are parents. That's why we're here in sort of the faith and family class. Who asks this question most of all? Who is God, Mommy? Um, What's well, our kids? Our kids ask us that all the time. It's not an easy question. Um, you can answer it as well. He's sort of, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all good. You know, it's like, well, then why are bad things happen to good people? And what about the tornadoes? And what about, you know, deserts? We normally think of rainbows and no humidity and 68 degrees, and that's great. Why we equate God with the weather? We do it all the time because we have no other way because we want to know who God is, and so we think, well, it's pretty outside, so this must be God because we equate beauty with God somehow until you wrestle with this dark figure in the middle of the night or until you're like Job and, uh, and you're, you're, you're raising and holding a lawsuit against the one who supposedly is for you. I want to know who God is. Uh, and apart from Christ, that is not such an easy question to answer. Who is God? Um, and we end up having to say, basically, I don't know. Apart from God, apart from Christ, excuse me, apart from Christ, our answer is, I don't know. Because God keeps himself hidden and unrevealed. God, as he exists within himself, is is God. Let God be God, and, and, and that ain't me, and that's not you. God, as he exists within himself, is is God. And as John says in his prologue, the first part of John 1.18, I'm going to come to the second in just a minute, no one has ever seen God. And so when your child says, who is God, Mommy? We're confronted with a really, really big question. So children ask that question all the time. When do we also ask that question? Life is lived. Um, Jack Sharma and I were talking about this about a year ago. I remember this conversation very, very well. I would add one. It's lived in two rooms, and I would say one third place. Life is typically lived in a courtroom <laughs> or in a hospital room. And then to, I'd add another one, to the proverbial foxhole. So in other words, when life is on the line, almost sometimes literally, and you're there in a hospital room, the emergency room, or you're there in the courtroom, um, any room where your freedom, your, your person is in danger, foxhole, uh, we ask that question, who is God? Are you real? Are you coming? Are you for me? What's up? You know, Job's questions. Um, so who is God? Apart from Christ, it's a difficult question at best to answer. But remember Christianity, Christ, Christianity? Good news, um, we can answer this question one of two ways. The first way without reference to Christ, but then in reference to Christ. And this is why it's such a big deal to always, always, always hinge ourselves in a Christian understanding of Christianity. I know that sounds silly, but we don't answer the question, who is God, apart from Christ. Who is God? Your child answers, ask that question. Here's a good way to do it. You pick up the Jesus Storybook Bible. You know, a lot of us have that. And you turn to the back. And I'll start crying a little bit when I say this stuff. Um, and you say, this is who God is. And they led him out to a hill. 
and they laid him on boards and they nailed his hands and his feet and then they stuck the boards into the ground and they raised him up and he was crucified and he said things like I thirst and father forgive them for they know not what they do and he looked at his mother and he said mother behold your son and to the one who was with her he said son behold your mother and he said my God my God why have you forsaken me and then he said it is finished and then he died and he gave up his spirit and on the third and they buried him and on the third day he rose again that's who God is sweetheart that's who God is Christianity cannot answer the question who is God apart from Christ and so just to sort of disembody literally that's an incarnation question to embody to incarnate um, Christianity disembodied from Christ is is just that it's just this sort of nebulous religion and and it's overwhelming and you got it we've got to always come back and say I don't know but I do know this this is what God looks like this is who God is for no one has ever seen God as John says in John 1:18, semicolon, but the Son, or the only God, who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Big deal. God, as He exists with Himself, as He's not revealed, as He's not chosen to say, "This is who I am," we look for the way that He says, "This is who I am." I am the one who suffered and was buried, who was delivered for your sins and was raised for your justification. So that's the first part, Christianity. Who is God? Second part, who am I? Now, very similarly, we can answer that question either in reference to Christ. I'm going really quickly. I know in reference to who is uh, who is who Christ is, we can say, well, who am I? Um, and our tendency, because we're all functional atheists, um, what does that mean? I function. It's supposed to be funny. Thank you for laughing. But it's also <laughs> really, really, really true. Um, it's so funny because it's so sad. <laughs> that I exist. And I'm the church guy, remember? Um, I'm not speaking like sort of the editorial I. I mean, actually, I exist 95% of my day as if God does not exist. As if this bubble, this thing that I see, what's perceiving, what I perceive around, what I hear, what I taste, what I touch, what I smell, what I think, as if I'm the only sort of being in the world. Um, that's what we call original sin, but that's another, that's another class. Um, I function atheistically, as if God, atheos, as if God does not exist. So, we can answer the question, who am I, uh, as if God does not exist, which is our default mode. We do this all the time. Who am I? Well, I'm a male, I'm 48 years old, uh, I work at the church, I've got this education, this is my genealogy, these are my people, this is my bloodline, I'm a Texan, I do all this sort of stuff. And we can start to, whoever our tribe is, sort of use that to say, this is who I am. Um, to sort of either one up or make sure that I'm accepted or acceptable, that you like me or whatever else. And it goes a thousand different ways. But we can answer the question according to our CV, to our resume, to who, whatever it is that we think matters. Who am I? I am thus and such. Um, I am healthy um, or I'm sick. I am uh, well, or I'm not good, um, and it's whatever it is about where I am, that's what I think means. Um, so for our marriages, for instance, we talk about this, hopefully this is repetitious, and we think about family or talk about parenting. Who am I as a parent? Well, I'm a really good parent. Why? Because yesterday I, I had a win. Um, or who am I? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm beautiful, I have long hair, it's obviously me. 
blue eyes, um, you know, great skin, uh, sharp-witted, you know, great mind, and then age sets in, and I'm no longer all that. My hair is thinning, and my, my skin is spotted, and I've got Alzheimer's, and I can't remember, you know, so who am I? You know, uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, uh, and I'm oh so close to that. Um, so who am I apart from Christ? We're left to reach for our CVs and our resumes and try to say, this is who I am, right, 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 right? Or in Christ, we can answer the question, just like we answered it, God outside of Christ. We don't really know who is God. I don't know. He's not told me. Um, I can only hope that he's good. Uh, but in Christ, I do know because he is good because he has shown me, he has demonstrated that he loves me in this, that while I was still sinning, he died for me. And then we answer the question, well, who am I? Apart from Christ, I'm just the best resume that I can muster. Um, but in Christ, it's pretty simple. I'm loved. I'm beloved, just as I am, right there. Stop, I'm loved. But I hadn't, I hadn't done anything, I know. I love you just because. Um, that never-ending, never-get-up, um, I can't remember the words he uses now, back to the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, uh, love that will not let me go. Um, so that's kind of the intro, because you got to think about what is Christianity before we start thinking about grace, the law, the gospel, and everything else. That God is love, and that I am loved. But we have to remember that that's not disembodied. It's not some sort of... Uh, uh, God as you understand him or to an unknown God or like Jonah he's like you know pray to your God so that maybe he'll quit he'll stop the storm um, so he threw Jonah overboard just in case his God would would uh, would finally be appeased um, that's not so crazy um, if Christ never came but Christ came Christ uh, uh, Christ died Christ is risen Christ will come again and that is true uh, we answer the question, who is God? Christ and him crucified. So questions there, comments, before I go on, try to quickly move to what the law and the gospel is and grace. Yeah, so, yeah, Carrie. I appreciate you saying, uh, you're saying, asking who I am. You're also telling us who we're not. That's right. It helps to understand who we are, but who we're not. We are not our past. We're not our past hurts. We're not our education. Amen. We're not our CV. We're we tend to identify with all those things Amen. And, and we see ourselves in, in that light. Yeah. That is We're I not the past or the future. If I can extend, that's wonderful, Carrie. Thank you. I'm not my CV, what I've done. I'm also not my potential and how I can be useful um, uh, going forward. That's especially, anyway, go off on that. That's a great, great word. Yeah. Who am I? It's sometimes easier to say, well, let me tell you who I'm not so I know who I am. Um, how do we connect? Yeah. Um, I hope we get to that a little bit when I talk about the gospel is power. Um, but let me answer that. Start to answer that now. Repeat. I think repetition is really, really, really important. Um, borrowing that from another teaching. 
repetition is important. It's really, 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 really important. <laughs> and we tell the story again and again and again. Because remember, I function atheistically. Our children do too, and it shouldn't surprise us that they may not get it immediately. Um, they may not get it until they crash and burn, actually. Now, whether that's at 14 or 8 or 44, we don't know. Um, that's, in fact, something for God to know. Um, so let me stop there and say we repeat the story. Um, not to brainwash, because I hear that... that, that uh, that charge, although you don't, you don't hear about Christopher Hitchens much anymore because he died, um, from the new atheists. They would say, you're just brainwashing your kids, and anybody can brainwash your child, and you just repeat the story enough, and they're going to believe in you know, Jesus Christ and the fairy, tale, the fairy uh, godmother and the tooth fairy and these other things, too. Um, I think it's, well, it is different, um, but you is repeat the story. Turn to page whatever in the Jesus Storybook Bible. And you show them the pictures, and you tell them the story, uh, and you reckon with your own uh, sinfulness and the Lord and an apology to them. This is just one way; it's not the only way. Uh, and you connect that to why Christ died. Um, the power of apology is always a very powerful elixir to our children. Um, I'm sorry, I blew it yesterday. I really screwed up. You saw me yelling at mommy, and I shouldn't have done that. And I was really, I didn't sleep well last night because of all that happened. And that's when we talk about who God is, that's what it means to me. Um, that, that I know that God loves me because we, we looked at last night, page 24, um, that he died for me. And I'm trying. Something like that. You take those opportunities again and again and again. So, let me move on. Um, so that is Christianity in a nutshell. In some ways, I just want to stop and go on, but I'm not going to. Um, let's think about grace, because I said earlier that God is a God who speaks. That's also not to be assumed. Um, that's a gracious act. That God speaks at all uh, is, is, is grace. What do I mean by that? Well, let's break up, back up, and think about what grace is. We talk about grace and mercy, mercy and grace a lot. And I think that's a good way to begin to think about what grace is. Because grace and mercy are related, but they're different. They're kind of like first cousins. What is mercy? Especially as a parent, we can answer what is mercy. Mercy is when I've got my hand in the cookie jar, whatever that cookie jar is, and my parents do what? They catch me, and then what? They don't punish me. They're being merciful. Or... They only spanked me four times rather than 40. Um, uh, it's mercy. So it's mercy is I don't get what I deserve. So I'm saying that's different than grace. What's grace? Got my hand in the cookie jar. My mom comes in, catches me. What does she say? Oh, here are all the cookies. <laughs> that's grace. Now, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's like, what parent would do that? Well, some might, actually. Um, uh Mercy is not getting what you deserve, a spanking, consequences, punishment. Grace is not only not getting what you deserve, but getting what you don't deserve. Um, and so it's uh, uh, not only do I not deserve hell, I get heaven, to put it in real basic terms. Grace, most of the time I've got a real allergy to sort of acronyms, you know, like 
some people repeat Bible, B-I-B-L-E, which is basic instructions before leaving earth. That is awful, 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 awful. It is not law gospel. Everything I'm about goes against that. So that's a bad acronym. Good acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's righteousness at Christ's expense. That's pretty good. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Thinking of 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I guess it is, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the, uh, the righteousness of God. So I have God's righteousness, whatever that means, his right standing or right standing in him, that when he says, well done to his son, this is my beloved, uh, listen to him. Just like he says at his baptism and the transfiguration, that that is God's righteousness and it's now mine. What God speaks to his son, he speaks to me because I am his son, adopted through Christ. God's righteousness, parentheses, for me, for you, at Christ's expense. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. And he was crucified for my uh, my sins and raised for my justification. Um, so that's grace. It is a gracious act at all that God would speak. Because God, we're not entitled to any access to God. We're not entitled to God's word. We're not entitled. Um, he doesn't owe us anything. Uh, we haven't done anything. We're not useful to him. We're not, we don't have the potential. He's not waiting for uh, his people to sort of bring about you know, his plan or his work. God can do whatever he wants with or without us. That he speaks at all is grace. So, the question is, undeserved gift. Yes. Amen. For me. For you. Some of the most beautiful words in the language. For you. This is for you. It's always got to be a personal address. Um, the word of absolution. The word of freedom. Uh, this is for you. Take. Eat. Christ died for you. Cannot say that enough. Thank you. Um, so, how does God speak, if that's a gracious act? He speaks in two ways, and they're two different words. That they're um, always distinguished, but never separated. Law and gospel. So, we think about the law. We can think of um, the law in... What time is it? Um, uh Two ways, um, not strictly speaking, but I sometimes think of law like capital L law and then lowercase l law, where there's the law, which is the word of God. Uh, oh, good. I didn't know that was up there. Um, um, which is the word of God. Uh, so it's actually the Bible's word about law. Thou shalt not um, uh, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is a summary of the law. It is not the gospel, by the way. That is a summary of the law. Uh, the law, um, you don't have to get too fancy here. You can pick it up where there's a, a condition. If you do this, then that will happen. Um, that's law, should, ought, must, anything you... Uh, if you obey my commandments, then you shall have eternal life. Something like that. That is an if-then conditional statement. That is law. Most of us kind of understand that. Capital L law. Um, there can be lower L laws. Um, that's kind of on. That's, so that's what I mentioned earlier, like the, the vertical plane. God speaking to us. The law is His word to us. Um, that comes down. There's also horizontal law. This is like stop. You know, quit gluing your brother to the floor. Um, uh, 
stop it or I'm going to count to three. You know, that was one of my, I said that, how many times did I say that when our kids were little? What a stupid thing to say. One, <laughs> two, <laughs> um, two and a half. I don't want to get up from this chair and don't make this. <laughs> um, that's all just goofy, ridiculous, stupid law um, of if, then, stop, go, don't, do, should, ought, must. Law, 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 law. The law is the natural human mode. Like I said, we function atheistically. We function with the law. This is why the law, it's not hard to know the law because the law is sown within each one of us. Christians, non-Christians alike, the law is common to every single human being by virtue of them being born. Um, so it comes up in all sorts of ways. 99% is not good enough, a hardcore Christian, so you have a quality because then you've got differentiation, which is a law thing by itself. You know, a law is a line or a bar, like in the law, lawyers would know that. Here's the bar, you know, here's the bar that's set, the demarcation, so I'm a softcore Christian or a hardcore Christian. I'm a really good Christian, I'm not, it's, like, it's black and white. You're pregnant, you're not, you're a Christian, you're not, all that sort of thing. God loves you, some restrictions may apply. Be better, be better, be better, be better, be better. This one over here, a little bit too sad. Um, signs are a great way because they're telling us what to do or not do. And so here's the bird, but don't do that. No shooting where the law is. There increases the trespass, as Paul says in Romans. And even birds know that, evidently. Um, uh, law is not hard. I believe in eating right and exercising regularly. I don't do it, but I believe it. Um, I think that's very telling. And this is one of my favorites. Um, if you didn't want, this is the husband telling to the wife, who's obviously reading the alumni newsletter from her college. Uh, if you didn't want to feel inferior to your classmates, you shouldn't have gone to such a good school. Um, <laughs> law, 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 law. Um, uh, the law and the gospel different. Um, uh, always to be distinguished, and uh, but they're never separated. Why? Because well, let me get to that. Let's think about what the gospel is. So that's the 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 law. Here's the gospel. I've thought about this, for, like I said, for more than half my life, and I still can't come up with sort of a better picture than this. Um, God loves you anyway, <laughs> and I love it. It's the old sign. It's kind of falling apart. It's, it's like it's survived. Um, you know, all that I can kind of read into it. But the word anyway, so important. Like I said earlier. We can answer the question, God, distinct from Christ. Here's part of it, too. If we answer the question, who is God, and we try to answer it apart from Christ, we quickly fall into the sap, the sap, the trap of sappy sentimentality, saccharine Christianity, which is like, oh, God loves you, don't worry about it, you know, where it just never felt right for me. It doesn't, because I know who I am. I mean, I know my need. I know my history. I know my limited future. I know that that's not enough because God loves you apart from Christ as if he just loves everybody. God don't make no junk. It's no big deal. Live and let live. And there's just this sort of free form and it leaves people to wonder, well, that, that might be true for others, but that can't be true for me because if God really knew, if the other person really knew who I am, who's trying to convince me that God loves me, then they wouldn't say that because they know what goes on, not only in my CV, the things I didn't write down on my resume, um, but the, the things which go on in my head and my heart. So there's the word anyway, that God, until all harps are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. And he says this word, I do love you. 
in spite of all that. No, in full sight of all that. I am God. I see everything. I know everything. And I say this. And I don't blink when I say it. I love you anyway. I know who you are. And I love you anyway. So here's the law and the gospel. The law tells us who we are and how we come up short. Again and again and again. The word is firm. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that word is in a double entendre. Um, perfect as in without blemish and perfect as in finished. Uh, and so uh, 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 that's the way that word falls out, telos. Um, like the, 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 the finish line, it's both the end and it's also sort of the, uh, 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 the perfection. Now I've finished the race. Um, I've done what I set out to do. I perfected my craft. It's done. It is finished. Uh, uh, the law says, yep, right up here, 99% is not good enough. That's a true statement. Uh, and I'll always fall short of the glory of God. No one is without sin. And God loves you anyway. So the law and the gospel distinguished. The law is never the gospel. And the gospel is never the law. The law is always distinguished from the gospel. The gospel is always distinguished from the law, but the two are never separated. For the gospel becomes good news, not good advice, when we know who we are. I know I'm supposed to be this person, but I can't do it. That's right, God says, and now I declare unto you, you are loved. The gospel is, is to be heard, it's not to be lived. So, the law and the gospel, I'm going to come down at least to... Sorry, um, quick, then walkout point. Let's see if I can come up with an implication. Um, you heard it here. Do not serve your child a mixed drink. So, what I mean by that. You don't mix law and gospel. Um, and Joe Gibbs did this, and I thought it was really great, a former canon here. Uh, in some ways, you can just think about the order of words. Um, so what if you say this to your child? Um, gosh, son, you did really great. Let's just say baseball. Um, what a game. I mean, you got up there, and I love the way you kept your elbow up, and your head was in there, and you didn't sort of bail out and all that stuff. Next time when you come up there, you can just get your feet pointed a little bit further up. You're going to be just awesome. What did you hear? Next time, if you just do that. That's a mixed drink. This is law and gospel coming together. Um, uh, you can tell your daughter, your wife, you can tell anybody you want to. Um, you are, you're really awesome, but gosh, if you just, da, 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 you know, did they hear the, I said you're really awesome, but just flip it. Don't serve a mixed drink. Let it come out 150 proof and say like, yeah, I know you struck out looking three times, but I love you. Nothing you could ever do is going to change that. You could strike out 150 times. And you're still my son. I don't care. Um, or whatever it is. Don't serve a mixed drink. Um, even in discipline. Here's the last walkout. And we can talk about this when we wrap up. Because um, people often ask, what about punishment? What about discipline? This is not to say that, that you know life lived on this plane is outside of discipline or punishment. But I think we should ask ourselves as parents, what's the point of discipline? What am I trying to do by punishing this person, um, this person who lives with me, this little human that's running around that's a wild man or a wild woman? 
Uh, and we can ask from a law gospel perspective, what's the point of the law? If the law is to tell us who we are so that I know it, uh, that I am short of, uh, of whatever the bar is, then we can ask, has the law done its work? And so if the child, you know, don't, uh, put a lid on your milk, sweetheart, put a lid on your milk. Oh, what? You, I told you to put a lid on your milk. I mean, look at now, it's all over the place. And uh, if she's just a pile of tears on the floor because she knows what she was supposed to do and she didn't do it, it may not be the right time to lower the hammer on her. I'm just saying. Now, if it's obstinate as all get out, it's like, hey, would you put a lid on the milk, please? Because um, remember last time they didn't. They walk around, they don't do it, and it's like, oh, he pushed me, and I don't want to do it. So, you know, and suddenly he's like, you know, the woman that you gave me, she made me eat the apple. You know, it's been around for a long, long, long time, this, this tendency to blame. Uh, then it might be time to come with some law. Um, I think that's what Cameron's going to do at the end, just to kind of think about grace in parenting, sort of at a practical level. What's the function? Why are we punishing our children? Why are we disciplining our children? What's the purpose? Because that's all law. Um, but what do we want them to know? How is the word going to form them, especially the word of power, which is the gospel, uh, going to form them going forward? In what way are we going to say, oh, you spilled it again. How about I pour you another glass? Let's try again. Something like that. So... It is 11.49 and, no, it's 11.10.50, sorry. Um, maybe a comment or two, and I can stay after if you want. So, yeah, Gary, or Stephen. So, um, oh, right. I love the mixed drink. I've never heard that before. John O'Leinball made it up. So I didn't. We, we so. all know, as adults, that unsolicited advice comes across as criticism. Yes. Are you saying that is true for our children, too? I do. I won't even wiggle. I'm not sure constructive criticism actually exists. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it's a place for it, but it's probably not constructive. It's probably destructive. And you might need to be torn down so that something else can build you up. Um, that's First Samuel. Um, uh, the Lord kills so that he may make alive. He tears down so that he may build up. The word of law tears down so that the gospel may quicken and breathe life. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Stephen. Uh, what you were just saying reminded me of when Scott Keith came here. Yeah. He talked about as soon as the law, he gave kind of his closing parting shot of advice. And said, as soon as the law has had its effect, switch to grace. Amen. And, um, and then in his book, Being Dad, he talks about how um, you know, when you give your kids unexpected grace, that's like being an analogy to Christ. And it helps them believe that the story of Christ could be true. Amen. Um, yeah, according to what Dan said. Yeah, you know, we I, I can tell you a thousand times that I got punished as a kid, but I can also tell you those two times when I was given grace. And guess what changed me? <laughs> Why did I need the law a thousand times? Because it didn't do anything. It didn't change me. No, it kept the house orderly, and that's really important. I'm not saying that's not important, but it didn't change me. It didn't certainly give me a new heart. But a gracious act from a father to a son, from a mother to a daughter, from a father to a daughter, from a mother to a son. That can approximate the downward love that God has for each one of us. Um, that's true. Let me pray. 
Lord, I'm wrong so many times in so many ways. Every time I speak, um, I'm wrong somewhere. Um, Correct me where I'm wrong. Strengthen your word, um, your word of law and gospel, uh, as it needs to be heard, as you would uh, so direct it. uh, Let these words be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, y'all. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.